Would you join me, uh, Matthew chapter 7, Matthew 7, our second message out of this chapter. Um, but as I do say that, <clears throat> most of you know uh, that we have been in one long sermon here that's called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, really, we've been in this book for quite some time, and for months and months, we've been in the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. And this morning, before I read the text, I actually want to point out a couple of ways of looking at this, all right? Um, it is possible that the Lord has every prerogative to just start a new subject. And so in, there's a sense, if you've been tracking with us, or if you were on your own, read uh, chapter 5 through chapter 7 of Matthew, this these next five verses we're going to look at this morning seem disconnected almost, but I want to ask you, is it really disconnected? We can get fooled because I preached on something a week ago or two or three weeks ago and forget that in this setting on a hillside in Galilee, it was not three weeks between these comments. We're pretty much preaching a paragraph a week as we will this morning. And so I mention that for this reason. This seems disconnected, what, what I'm about to read, but what if it's not? What if last week the Lord tells his people, don't be judgmental? But we're very naturally judgmental. We're all the time evaluating and critiquing. We default to judgment sometimes. But he says, don't be judgmental. And then he goes further and he says, judge yourselves. Well, I have a hard time judging me because I can't see me as good as I can see you. Unfortunately, you see me better than you see you. That's hard for us. And then on top of that, he says, after you've judged yourself, now you're ready to discern specks in the eye of our brothers and sisters or sin in them. And we're supposed to step into their lives and help them with their sin, and they help us with our sin. Well, the problem is that's very unnatural, and we don't want to do that, and that's difficult. Verse 7, well, then ask. Or this is hard, ask. I would also remind you, would you go back in your mind three weeks ago when we looked at this text? Some of you will remember this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. So some, we have more than we need to live on. And Jesus tells his followers, don't just be laying up more and more and more, hoarding it or spending it selfishly, Lay up treasures in heaven. And then he says, you can't serve God and money. So we know he's talking about money in that setting. But boy, we love it and we struggle with that. Two weeks ago, we saw this. So some will feel the challenge, don't just spend all the extra selfishly. But others, in honesty, have to look at their life and they're like, if I were to obey the Lord and lay up treasures in heaven and invest in the kingdom of God, literally my money then we're not going to have enough to eat or drink or anything to wear. I mean, we're not going to have the basics. Is this really that connected, disconnected? Is it really? It may be very much in that context that the Lord comes to verse 7. Well, then ask. But Lord, I'm not going to have food. Ask. I know what you need. I want you to ask me for it. And so with that in mind, let's look at verses 7 through 11. And this will keep our attention today. By the way, today is the simplest of sermons. The, all your notes in the handout are very, very simple. You would have written them yourself if you were up here. I'm telling you, if you read this 15, 20 times this week, 
these five verses over and over and over very slowly, you would have come up with the same material that I'm going to share. Nothing fancy today. Verse 7. Hear the Lord. Hear God talking to you. Ask. Hey, ask. And it will be given to you. Seek. They tell us the verb tenses here are the idea of keep on seeking, keep on asking. Look at it again. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. God in the flesh says, hey, knock. Knock. And it will be open to you. How do we know? For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, the idea keeps on seeking, finds. They're the ones. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. Or, he brings in another analogy. Which one of you, picture us, we're the ones on that hillside that day. It's our congregation. And we're sitting on the hill and Jesus is looking up and teaching. Actually, he's in a seated position, verse 9. And he looks around and he says, Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread? Mom? Dad? Do we have any bread? Can I have some bread? This is not a luxurious request. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? They tell us that the stones, this is in Galilee on this hillside, the stones down by the Sea of Galilee look like they're bread. He asked in verse 9, which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Now pause real quick because he starts verse 9, which one of you? Uh, take a second and look around. Look at people on the other side and very near you. Look around, especially the ones who are, you think are parents. Would you look at them? Those who have kids. Look around. Look at them. Did you spot the ones that if their kids asked for bread, they would give them a stone? Can you tell who they are? Did you see that one? See me after, I'll show you who it is. The one who, if their child wanted, can I just have some fish? I'm starving. I just need like some bread and some fish, but they'll give them a snake. Did you spot? You say, there is no one in here that would do that. Nobody would do that. I don't, I don't know everybody. I don't think anybody would do that. So verse 11, you're right. If you then, who are evil, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus just called those people evil. Look to your right and your left. Look around. You say, I don't think any of them would give their child a stone or a serpent, but I think Jesus just called those people in here evil. Well, he called you evil and them and me. You say, that is so offensive. I, I just don't agree with that. That's just not right. That, that's, that is, that's rude. Hold on, here's the problem. Jesus has seen God, is one with God, is God, and he knows us. We've never seen God. God, I'm gonna promise you this. this. Here's what we do. I've seen evil people, and I can tell you evil people. I don't think these are evil people. Right, when we compare people with people, 
then no one in here would be qualified as evil people. But that's not what Christ is doing. He's comparing people with God. I'll promise you, if we could see God right now and live and then come back to us, we'd say, we're all evil. And in verse 11, that's the point. If you then, you say, I don't know anyone. There probably are some that would do a stone or a serpent, and no doubt there are. They're so wicked and cruel that we would call them evil. But no one that we know, verse 11, if you then, who are evil, No, you wouldn't do that because you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more? There we go again. Christ again with the how much more. If he clothes the grass of the field with the lilies, how much more will he clothe you if you really put your treasures into the kingdom? If he feeds the birds, which he does, and you're of more value than the birds, how much more? He feeds them, how much more will he feed you who are more valuable? Verse 11 in the middle, how much more will your heavenly Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You wouldn't do that to your children. How much more will God not do that but do better than anything that we would do as earthly parents? Let's notice two things this morning out of our text, and we're going to spend most of our time in the first point because uh, it kind of lays the foundation. Really, the gist of the text is verse 7 and 8, and that's where I want to focus on mainly this morning. Number one, let's look at this. Very simple. Some amazing promises about prayer. I mean, amazing promises about prayer. Ask, and it will be given. You seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be open. Did everybody really hear what the Lord is saying? Just just keep it simple. You're going to hear me say this 20 times today. Ask. 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 I think what would help us is if right now, as best as possible, we will think of our needs. Some of you right now, if I were to say, what is a need in your life? Some of you are like, oh, I am well aware of my needs. Some of you are like, I don't know. I need to really think about some needs. You're struggling, and you may not come up with any. But time, let time go, and you will come up with some needs. Here's what Christ is saying. When you are aware of your needs, then ask God for them. What Christ is trying to do here, he is really trying to convey, his simple thought, he's trying to convey God's willingness to give us what we need if we'll ask. In other words, simple message today, but what Christ is saying is God is literally ready to give. He is willing, he is ready to give, but he's waiting on you to ask. Will you ask him? If you will ask him, you will receive. Now I realize someone's sitting here this morning and this is your thought. Maybe you haven't thought it yet or you're going to agree with it even now. Here's what you think. Preacher, I don't want to tell everybody this. I don't know how to pray. I'm just not good at prayer. I don't, I don't really know how to pray. So here comes another one of these sermons on prayer. I'm just not good at it. To that, can I say the following? I want you to listen. There is a lot more to prayer than just asking. There's a lot. I mean, really, it's about 20 to 25% of prayer. There is more to prayer than asking. But I want you to understand, I want every true Christian that's here this morning to understand this. Even a novice brand new or in three or five year old unlearned Christian can still receive things from God if you will ask. There's more to prayer than that, but if you'll just ask, then you too can start receiving from God. I promise you this based on the passage that's in front of us. Now what I have to be careful of, I'll let you write that note, 
But as we look at verse 7 and 8, we need to be careful that we don't misconstrue it. And I want to speak on this just for a moment. I'm not going to camp here because I want to get the main point. I'm not going to jump all over the scriptures today, tracking down a lot of additional things to this and end up us missing the main point. I want us to get the main point of this text. But look at verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. You hear that? This is some amazing promises. Now, here's what I want us to understand. Again, I'm not going to camp here, but we have to do this at some point, so we need to do it at the beginning. This is not a blank check for just anybody to read verse 7 and 8, anybody to ask for anything, and God's going to do it. That's not what this is. The Bible gives qualifiers, conditions, prerequisites to prayer. Pretend for a moment you're getting ready to come up here and you're going to say one of the prerequisites to prayer, one of the qualifiers. What immediately, some of you raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to say it. You say, I know one of the qualifications for our prayers to be effective. Would you raise your hand right quick, some of you? All right. Probably some of you are thinking these things. Well, you have to pray in faith. Some of you are like, that's the one I was thinking. I'm going to hit one in a minute that is within the text. Some of you are thinking, well, we can't just go to God and ask for selfish things to satisfy our sinful, selfish desires. We can't just go to that and expect God to answer. Notice the example we have within the text. It's a son who's asking for bread and fish. Again, this is not a luxury. This is not crazy things. This is just basic needs, and he's going to his parent for this, and Christ is using that as the example within the text. Here's another one. We need to pray for things that are according to God's will. We can't ask for things that are against God's will. Another one, if we have unforgiveness pent up in our heart, then we're not going to have effective prayers. If we have known sin, I'm not saying sin in our life, known sin that we're harboring and we refuse to confess it and give it to the Lord and let him cleanse us of that, then our our, our prayers are going to struggle, right? If we turn away our ear from hearing the word of God and just live a disobedient life, then we're not going to have effective prayers, If there are other people in need that are around us and God makes us aware of that and he's equipped us and he's even prompting us to help them and we don't and here we come wanting God to help us, well, our prayers are hindered. So here's my point. Did you notice I did not give a single passage there and we could just camp and track down all these qualifications to basically take away from this text? I'm not going to do that today. Why? Because I did that back in the fall of 2018. And if you want to go back, most of those sermons did make it online. There's one or two that didn't. But the fall of 2018, we covered things that are qualifiers and hindrances and prerequisites to prayer. And so I'm not going to do that. Why? I want us to focus on the main point. And so you that are veteran Christians, look at the text. Have you spotted the qualification that is within the text? Did you spot it? I'm focusing on verse 7 and 8, but if you will look down at verse 11, there is a qualification within the text. Verse 7 and 8, these awesome promises, but notice verse 11. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, 
who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him. Notice, who's Christ talking to? He's talking to a group of people on a hillside who are his followers. He's talking to a group of people who can truly and honestly say they are the true children of God because they put their faith and trust in Jesus. So right here in the text, it doesn't say we have to pray in Jesus' name, but what it's saying is God must be your father because you're a follower and a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what that means. No one can reject God's Son as Lord and as Savior. Now, I'm not accepting him as Lord and Savior, but I want you to answer my prayers. Guys, you can forget it. Answered prayer and God receiving our prayers is reserved only for his spiritual children, and not everybody is a spiritual child of God. Everybody is a creation of God, but only those who put their faith and trust in Christ are the children of God. And so that's the main qualification. You say, I fit that. Well, then now let's focus because this text is for us. I'm going to flip over. And so now I want to mainly focus on verses 7 and 8. What's going on here? James chapter 4. And I'm not going to hit verse 3 because I've already alluded to it, but I'm not going that far. Look at verse 2. This is the Lord's half-brother. He sounds a lot like Jesus. So they share Mary as their mother. Joseph is James's mother, but he's not uh, James's father, but Joseph is not Jesus's father. Look at verse 2. We're going to just let the Bible say what it says. You ready? Simple message today. You desire and do not have. So you murder. And that could be literal or it could be figurative. Like just working out human means to get what they... We desire these things, but we don't have them. No problem. I'll get it myself. So we just murder. He says you covet. And this is a sinful desire. He says, you covet and cannot obtain. Again, you can't work it out for yourself. So what do you do? You fight and quarrel with each other. Now notice the last part of verse 2. Couldn't be clearer. The Bible says, you do not have because you do not ask. That sounds like Matthew 7. You do not have because you do not ask. Lord, why don't I have? Because you don't have an asked. We're hearing a lot about transcripts and phone calls right now right? I want you to pretend, and by the way, this is for those who talk to God. Some of you in this room, I would say, I bet you over half of the people in this room, on some kind of a regular basis, you talk to God. I'm going to talk to you for a moment, all right? Whether you talk to the Lord four minutes at a time, nine minutes at a time, 19 minutes or 30 minutes, and all of those literally are in this room. If there was a transcript that could be read back to you of your thoughts, after a time of talking with the Lord, I wonder if we were to go back and read the transcript and and really ask ourselves, now what exactly did I ask God for in my prayer? I want you to catch this. James and the Lord is saying, ask and it will be given you. You have not because you ask not. I wonder sometimes if we don't worship and adore and confess our sins and give thanks and then become aware of our needs and think, think of our needs in context of an awareness. God is right there. But if we were to come back and read a transcript of our thought and our communication with the Lord, it would be like, my goodness, I never actually made a request. I just rehearsed my problems and basically had an anxiety session with God present. I didn't actually put anything into words. I've said this before and it bears repeating. I think of all the hindrances to prayer 
the greatest problem that many people face is not unanswered prayer. I just can't get any answers to prayer. I don't think it's unanswered prayer. I think the greatest problem we face is unoffered prayer. Now that, by the way, is that group that's some percentage in here. You don't ever pray. But going back to the percentage that I'm assuming is well over half in here, you do pray, but I wonder how many others, again, some don't pray, they have unoffered prayers, that's the reason there's no answer to prayer, but others, maybe it's this, our prayers actually never get around to asking God for anything specific. We don't ask God for anything specific. Lord, I'm asking for this. um, You know, I'm thinking about this. I'm asking you to do this, A, B, C, D. Guys, I'm afraid, I have a fear of me. This may happen in my life. I'm sure it will happen. I'm afraid it's going to happen in many of our lives. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to leave this world. We're going to get in the presence of God. We're going to be awed by how majestic and beautiful and powerful and glorious and gracious he is. And I think somewhere in time, the thought's going to occur to us, man, I left a lot of blessings on the table back in that life simply because I didn't ask. I think, that, I think that's today's message. We're leaving blessings on the table just because we didn't ask. I don't know if we'll ever have the courage, but I wonder if anyone like, maybe one of us, eventually, Lord, you, we've been worshiping, but I do have a question. Ask. How come in that life, how come you didn't do that and that and that? And I wonder if he isn't going to say, You don't remember? No. You never asked me. You never asked me. So, Lord, does that mean if I had, oh, yeah, if you would have asked me, I would have given it to you. Really? Yeah, you have not because you asked not. Straight, Jeff, you don't really believe, I absolutely, I know this to be a fact. There's some things we don't have just because we don't ask, haven't been asking. Have not because you ask not. So Jeff, why don't God just go ahead and give us these things if he wants us to have it? Write this down. God wants us to verbalize our dependence upon him. When we become aware of a need, God wants us to think about that need and put it into the form of a request so that when God answers it, he gets the credit and our joy goes way, way up. After you write that, notice again verse number 7 and 8. We need to make something else clear. Verse 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. Something I think we need to make clear is the following. So catch what I'm saying. I've alluded to it a little bit earlier. This passage, and Jesus is not guaranteeing that every request that we ask is going to be answered with a yes. In fact, if you've ever prayed, you know that all of our requests are not answered with a yes. I don't know why some of the things are not answered with a yes, but I think I have a reason. I think I have an idea of why some of the things are not answered with a yes. So catch this. We don't realize it. I think this goes on. We don't realize it, but I'm going to just use the number two. We come to God with two prayer requests. We have this one and we have this one. Here's the problem. What we don't understand is our two requests actually conflict. If the Lord were to answer the one, it would hinder the other. And so he has to determine which one best fits his will, his greater purpose, and answer that one. Let me give you an example. Let's just suppose here we want a relationship Lord, 
I would really like to date that person or marry that person or a person. Lord, would you please just work something out? Bring this into my life. Or maybe it's not a person, not a relationship. Maybe it's a thing. And we actually verbalize, God, would you, we would really, you know, it would just mean so much. And we would like this thing in our life. Would you please bring this into our life? Here's the problem. We follow that request with this. And Lord, would you just deepen my walk with you and just grow me in, in, in my relationship with you? Would you just help me spiritually as well? So now we have this. And this isn't sinful of itself. It's not a bad thing. It, it's, it's fine of itself. And we tack that one on. So here, here's the problem. God may know that if he puts that person in our life, we're just going to go further and further and further. Or if I give you this thing that you want, you have these great plans, then track your life for a few months, and here's what you'll find. It is just taking you further and further and further away from me, and so I'm not going to get that to you, or I'm going to take that away from you because I ultimately want to answer this request. So verse 7 and 8 is not, again, a blank check. It is not a guarantee. So what is it? This is the simplest note on maybe one of the simplest on your handout. You only have like nine. I think this may be the key one, the one you're about to write. So I want you to taste it. So if it's not a guarantee that our request will be answered with a yes, what is it? So here at first, this is simple, but I dare you to go home and chew on this. I think what Christ is doing is the following. He is giving assurance. You ready? God is more willing to give than we are to ask. And that is so simple. I want you to catch it. Here's what Christ is saying. Christ is telling his group and he's telling us today, I know the Father, I'll promise you, God is more willing to give than you are to ask. You're not going to ask for enough. God is more willing to give. Furthermore, I think Christ would say this. Oh, by the way, I want to give you assurances that those people who receive the most answered prayers. Yeah, I know some of you are like, I know someone and they regularly get their prayer requests. I think what Christ is saying is this. Those who regularly receive answers to their prayers, you want to know who they are? They are those who regularly ask and seek and knock. I wouldn't die for this statement, but I'm pretty sure what the Lord is saying this. Yeah, those who ask the most get the most. Those who ask for the most get the most. I'm thinking of... A guy named Patrick Ewing he used to play basketball for the New York Knicks. And this was back in, I think, the 90s, 80s and 90s. And they just were starting to get these huge contracts, these million-dollar stuff. And someone was asking him, you know, what do you think about you guys? A lot of people, you know, they're living in the world working hard, and you guys make all this money to play a game. What do you, what do you have to say about that? And he says, well, yeah, we make a lot, but we spend a lot. Right? <laughs> you got to understand. Sure, we make a lot, but we spend a lot. Okay, I think what the Lord is saying is, yes, yeah, some people receive a lot. You want to know why? Because they ask a lot. They just ask a lot. Don't you want to be in that group? That's what Christ said. Here's the problem. I think many Christians, and you may be sitting here this morning, they'll go like a whole week and never verbalize, I mean verbalize one real request to God. Two weeks, three weeks. And I think, here's the problem. I think as our prosperity goes up, our urgency in prayer goes down. In John chapter 16, verse 24, it's in the section where Jesus is saying, pray in his name. He says, in that day you'll not ask me, you'll ask the Father. And he says, 
pray, ask the Father and you will receive, that you may receive. And then he says, that your joy may be full. Guys, I, I think because I've been guilty of this, we live in America and we, we learn a lot of knowledge about the Bible because we have a lot of freedom and a lot of resources. And we get a little arrogant in our Christianity thinking we're probably like the best Christians in the world. I'm pretty sure we're going to get to heaven and find out we're some of the weakest Christians in the world because there are other Christians and we think we're kind of happy. But here's our problem. We equate material prosperity with joy and what Jesus is saying is actually joy is attached to answered prayer and there are other people around the world they don't have a lot of material things and therefore what they need they're constantly bringing it to the Lord and they're getting their prayers answered and their needs met in in marvelous miraculous daily ways and their joy just goes up and up and up their joy is in answered prayer and our joy is in stuff and we wonder why eventually stuff just doesn't satisfy they have more joy Jesus literally connects. Joy is connected to answered prayer more than material possessions. Material possessions aren't bad. They're good things. They're blessings from the Lord. But what I notice is that when those go up, our urgency in prayer tends to go way down. And that's why we can go two or three weeks and literally not make a request to the Lord. Verse 7. I want to read it one more time, I think. Verse 7 and 8. Because I struggled with this. I read this, I, I told you a few times. I struggled with verse 8. I didn't want to be disrespectful, but I'm kind of thinking. I'm even, I think I had a conversation with the Lord. I didn't get the point of verse 8. And I still don't know that I, I get all of it. I, I know I don't get all of it. But here's how my mind went. Look at verse 7. Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. I got to tell you, I just, I think I even asked the Lord, Lord, what's the point of verse 8? It's just kind of rerunning, restating verse 7. It's just kind of a redo. It, I don't really see the point. And then I think the Lord said, hold on, look a little closer. There is a point to verse 8. It's in the first word. So read it again. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks find. And to the one, and the, the third one here kind of breaks my thought. But the first two particularly in verse 8. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened to him. I think the Lord is saying, if you'll ask, you'll receive. And so I'm like, how do I know that we will receive if we ask? Reason number one is in verse number seven because Jesus gives these awesome promises. In other words, because I said so. That's why you'll, you'll, you can know that you'll receive. But then secondly, he says, oh, by the way, not just because I give these promises, but because verse eight is these proofs. There are these proofs. If you will find people in your life and surround your people with people in your life who regularly make requests to the Lord, what you're gonna find is they often have prayer requests answered. In other words, verse 7 is the promises. Verse 8 is an appeal to these proofs of answered prayer among those who have already asked. In other words, ask and seek and knock. Why? Because those are the people who find and receive and have it open to them. I thought about this. I literally thought about doing I'm not going to do it. I thought about grabbing one of these microphones, you know, in the middle of right about this time and Boom, 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 hey, can I know, hey, look. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to take a moment and just pass this around and share prayer requests. I'm sorry, catch it, specific answers to prayer 
within the last month. And I don't even want to come up for a show, but as you're sitting there and you're hearing this and you're saying, actually, I could be one of those in verse 8 that I could encourage someone because I've had prayer requests. I mean like specifically laying it out, real requests put in words where I asked God to do something in the last month and in the last month it was answered and we just start passing that around. And I wonder how many Christians would have to do this. Really? That's awesome. Oh. You got, I don't have anything think right now if I said hey so and so come up here and share an, uh, an answer to prayer within the last month go ahead what's coming to your mind what's in your mind because verse 8 says everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds to the one who knocks it will be open if you're sitting there going I cannot think I can tell you why either you're not a Christian or you haven't been praying and asking did I really say that out loud I did I said that out loud that's mean that's terrible it's so true you're like, I, I, I'm still, you're still buying time up there, Jeff, and I'm still struggling. Guys, I don't ask like I need to. I leave a lot on the table. Do you remember, some of you were here last Sunday, and I, I want this to be received in the right spirit. I'm telling you, I got a long way to go. Last Sunday, I began by saying the Lord had already answered a couple of prayer requests of mine this, that morning. You may remember that. I can't tell you all of it. But I will tell you a little bit. I knew we had a group up in cashiers, like 16 folks, and I knew we had some folks out of town, and I knew we had some folks sick. I'm going to just tell you that morning. I was like, Lord, would you like bring your people out? Would you bring your people out? And then, Lord, when we sing, God, I'm going to ask you, would you, would you like manifest your presence in a way that's like recognizable in our worship songs? I don't know what happened with you guys. I, in my heart, could, I was over here that week, I'm always here. Last week I was here. And I could get up in all honesty, look around, and it's like, Lord answered that request, and the Lord answered that request. Tuesday, I can't go into details here, and I'm fuzzy on exactly how I nailed that down on Sunday morning when I prayed, but there was another request. The best I can tell, it was 86% of the maximum of what I asked for, but it was still well within a range that I asked for, and it was unusual as compared to the normal. And you're like, what? I can't tell you what I'm talking about there. You just have to leave that very generic. Tuesday. Tuesday was my least favorite day in quite a while. Quite a while. Tuesday was just a bad day. And so I did what I don't hardly ever do. I mean, hardly ever do. I just wasn't ready for Wednesday. And it hit a point about 6.37, and I normally just push through. And my brain was fried and just kind of an emotional day, and it's like, I'm just going home, and I'm going to go to bed, and I'm not ready for Wednesday night. And I, I hate going to bed Tuesday without being ready for Wednesday because Wednesday needs to be a good start on Sunday, and it's just like, Lord, you're going to need to help me because I I'm really don't, don't have a grip on Wednesday night. And I got to bed early, and he woke me up pretty good and early Wednesday, and I prayed again, and it was started just like, pop, 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 start typing, pop, 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 and it's like, Lord, you got to give me something to speak on Wednesday night. And some of you were here Wednesday night, and I prayed, Lord, would you just like meet with us? Some of you are here Wednesday night. And this is not Jeff. I feel like the Lord met with us Wednesday night, and I only got two thirds of the way through. 
everything that the Lord gave me. I thought, I got nothing, Lord. I don't have anything to, to speak to them. I'm going to get up there, and we're just going to have a, another prayer meeting like the week before, and they're expecting to be taught. And it's like, Lord, you're going to have to. And he's like, okay, how about this? Can you type faster? <laughs> There's a phone call this past week I needed to make, and I, I just prayed, Lord, it'd be great. I'm not deserving of this phone call to go well, but Lord, it'd be great. And I think it did. That was five in the last few days. And that's from a weak prayer person. Do you have any? I wonder this, and I'm almost done with our first point. I really wonder this. How many of our people here pray for God to meet us in a special way before our services? And what I'm talking about here is actually a face-to-face with God to where you verbalize, we, God, we know you're here, but Lord, I'm asking you again and again. We sung this a while ago, and again. I'm coming to the Father again and again and again. So Lord, we're getting ready to have another service. Would you like make your presence recognizable? We know you're here. You're everywhere present, but would you please make it record? God, would you give me a God encounter? Would you give every person here some kind of God encounter? Even if they're not your child yet, Lord, let the unsaved have a God encounter. Let your people that need encouraged and let those who are encouraged be, be guided and instructed and just strengthened even more and just filled with a Spirit. Lord, just let your presence be. If you're a leader in Graceview, I mean, if you're, a, if you're an usher, if you are a deacon, an elder, a Sunday school teacher, a singer, a musician, someone works in that booth, I mean, if you work anywhere in the children, whether during Sunday school or during church, anywhere, if that is not a normal practice on your Sunday morning, shame on you. And there's somebody here today, you work really hard on your prep, but you don't pray for our service. If we'll all beg God to meet with us, he'll meet with us. He doesn't have to. I find that he will do that if it's people will ask don't assume anybody else is doing it you do it you do it and you say I'm not a leader in any fashion then you have more time to pray on Sunday morning (laughs) oh no I'm just gonna sleep in and just kind of skirt in at the end and hopefully y'all will bless me that day we cannot bless you we do not have the ability Spirit has to deal with your spirit, and we don't have the ability. God's word is spiritual. God's Holy Spirit has to connect this truth to your soul. And God says, would you ask me? Are you going to ask me? And you're like, how do we ask him? Glad you asked. Last thought. Look at verse 7. Ask. Seek. Knock. I'll tell you how to ask. Very, you're listening? Very reverently, very carefully. Remember who you're talking to. This ain't chummy, chummy, my buddy. You know, God and I are cool with each other. I mean, you come to the Almighty and we don't make demands. Do y'all know that we could all beg God to meet with us and manifest his presence in a special way for next Sunday? He doesn't have to do that. We don't make demands but we make requests. We request. R.C. Sproul words it this way. If you want to write it down. We do not ask him rudely. When we come into the presence of God, we knock at the door. That is, we come to God politely. We come with a gentle rap on the door. 
I think that phrase, knock, and today I'm not, Jeff, I kind of thought you would really draw out a huge distinction between ask and seek and knock. I don't know that there is one. There may be an escalation of intensity or onward going on and on. I, I didn't sense that I needed to do that, nor did I read after anyone who really did that. I think these are just three words that all come at a different angle. Here's one thought. This idea of knock, to me, validates what I find is a little process that I just have to work through. If it's been a few hours, I find that I need to be drawn closer to the Lord. And James says, chapter 4, if we'll draw near to God, he will draw near to us. But I think it starts with, Father, I'm coming by Christ. Can I, can I, I want to talk with you. Not rudely, politely. Number two, this one will be a little shorter, and that's from verses 9, 10, and 11. Here's the thought. Ask, why? Because God is far better than us. Ask, why? Because God is far better than us. Look at verse 9 and 10. I'm going to offer to you two possible ways of looking at that. I'm going to confess to you, uh, verse 9 and 10 was not fully open to me this week. Uh, it's, it's still a little bit close to me, but I'm going to offer a couple of ways of looking at it. I'm going to hold more to the second, but I'm going to at least throw out the first as a potential way of what it means. Look at verse 9. Christ asked the folks on the hillside and to us this morning, which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So what's taking place? I'm going to offer this may be it. I don't know. Could it be this? Could Jesus in verses 9 through 11, could it be that what he means is that sometimes we earthly parents are asked for things from our children, and frankly, here's the situation. We don't have it. This does happen. There are some people who are asked things from someone, particularly in this case by their children, and they just don't have it. Can I have some bread? Can I, can I have some fish? We don't have it. That parent is not going to say, buddy, just, just go, go lay down a minute and let me see what I can do. They're not going to go down to the Sea of Galilee and, again, get a stone that we're told by the historians looks like the bread. Here you go, buddy. The parent who doesn't have is not going to go get a knockoff and try to pawn off a lookalike, an imitation on their child and hope, oh, thank you. Like they won't know the difference. Nor is a parent who just doesn't have it going to go out and get something that's even dangerous and unclean like a serpent, like a snake, and, and hope the child doesn't know the difference between those two things. No, if that's the point of this verse, then what Christ is saying, even you who are evil know how to give good gifts. If that's the case, then here's what's going to happen. That parent who doesn't have it, and this is a basic need, they're going to do everything in their power to go get what the child needs. If that is the point of verse 9, 10, and 11, then here's the lesson of it all. What Christ is saying is, oh, I know the Father, and none of you will ever ask anything of him that he doesn't have. You may not have what you need, and you'll do the best you can, but you're not going to pawn off some fake imitation or dangerous lookalike. But God the Father, he always has what you need. He is never ringing his head. I just don't have it today, guys. I'm really, really sorry. Try me tomorrow. He always has what we need. 
That may be what verse 9, 10, and 11 is about. I don't know that it is. It could be this. Look at verse 9. Or which of you? Do you know what I find? I am a parent, and I have parents. I really do. And I've looked at parents. What I find is that most parents actually delight. There are exceptions. Shame on them. Most parents actually delight in giving their children good things. Kids love Christmas. Parents love Christmas. Parents will do the, the craziest things. They'll go out on an early Friday morning after Thanksgiving with excitement. Why? What you here for? To get a deal. They're going to love it. Where's mom and daddy? He had to go out early, buddy. Oh, okay. Really early to beat somebody else. And the crazy thing, they'll get in fights in malls once, once the door's open. What are you here for? My kid! You're not going to stop. Birthdays, kids love them. Parents, you ever heard this? I just want to work real hard and give my kids a better life than I have. I want to give them things that I never had. We want to do good things. And so when I read this, I wonder if Jesus isn't saying this as he looks around. What parent in his audience or ours, listen carefully, would mock their child's honest need? Mom, Dad, could I have some bread? Oh, you want bread? All right. You hold on, I'll be right back. And they run down to the Sea of Galilee. Hi, right, buddy. Close your eyes. All right. Open them up. Okay, put your hands out. You ready? Think they're getting bread and realize it's a stone. And they look up and the parent, <laughs> got you. <laughs> you ought to see the look on your face. Or, oh, you want fish? Close your eyes. Put your hands out. Keep them close. <laughs> All right, open them up. <laughs> you ought to see your face. Get out of here with that request. Bread and fish, you asked me for that before. Get out of here, don't ever ask me for that again. Y'all are looking at me act that out, and you're probably thinking, he acts a little better than he preaches. <laughs> but your second thought may be, and by the way, if you script that, I could never redo that, but I'm telling your second thought is probably this. I don't know, that is vicious. That is so cruel. I don't know a single parent that would ever do that. That... There's somebody here today, I don't know who you are, but listen, I mean, here's, my, here's my, I get it. I promise you, I get it. If we ask you to come up here and lead us in prayer this morning, you would be so uncomfortable. You know why? Because you're scared and fearful of what other people might think of your prayer. What'd they do? Please, I don't want to. I don't want to lead on a Wednesday. I don't want to do it Thanksgiving when the whole family, please don't. You're afraid. I get it. But I think the lesson, if this is the interpretation of this passage, is this. God our Father will never mock your prayer. You say, I'm not good at prayer. Listen to me. Ask. James, again, in chapter 1, verse 5, says, If any of you lack wisdom, ask of God who gives to all generously without reproach. 
I think God would, Jesus on behalf of the Father is saying, Christian, I don't care who you are. I don't care how well you think you pray. Listen, I'm promising you I am not grading your prayers. I love you. And let me give you a hint. When you pray, say, I'm just not good at it. Okay, you may never pray in public, may never get comfortable with that. God knows you. He knows your thought and your motives. He knows you better than you know you. He knows you tomorrow. So um, just do this. Don't put on games and don't try to sound like the guy on TV and the person on the radio. Don't try to sound like me or anyone else around here. Don't try to sound like you. Just be you. I'm telling you, God is not going to reproach. He's not going to mock and make fun of you and get out of here with that. He's going to say, I want to do that for you. The message today is simple. Ask. Ask me. Ask me. He'll never mock. MacArthur writes this. The most naturally selfless relationship among human beings is that of parents with their children. It's the best we've got. We could put that with it, spouse. Unfortunately, you'll see a lot more spouses separate than you will find parents separating from their children in disgust and so frankly naturally speaking MacArthur's correct he says the most naturally selfless relationship among human beings is that of parents with their children how do we know this is true we are more likely to sacrifice for our children even to the point of giving up our lives than for any other persons in the world if we would die for anyone it's put the children our children at the top of the list but he has to be honest and say, yet the greatest human parental love, this is the best we have. How about this? The greatest human parental love cannot compare with God's. There is no comparison. Compared to God, we are evil and he is loving and good. Even we know how to give good gifts and we're not very good at loving. How much more so will the Father give good things to those who ask that's a long note, and so I want to give you a moment to write that quote before I give you your last thought this morning. And I'm going to ask, as we finish this last thought, and you'll finish your notes, maybe we can close our notebooks after this next one, but I want to finish with a brief application before we finish up altogether. So look at verse 7 one more time. Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. Everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. What is Christ doing? Remember our first point. Christ was trying to convey this idea. God is more willing to give than we are to ask. He's trying to convey the willingness, the readiness of God to give. But down in verses 9, 10, and 11, in particular in verse 11, there's something else that is being revealed. What is it? Christ, so verse 7 and 8, he's revealing the willingness of God. Verse 11, what Christ is trying to convey is the eagerness of God. I want to give to you. I'm willing to give to you. Yes, you should be asking because I'm willing to give. But I am a father and I am desirous. I mean, I'm passionate. If you knew how much I want to give you, but I demand that you ask. I want you to ask. I want you to come to me and ask. God is desirous to give blessings, but we must ask. We have that nice note. I know how we are as human beings. Here we are. And maybe we've been blessed and this person keeps asking you or this person asks a group over and over and over and over and over and over, give me, give me, give me. And we start getting very irritated. Guys, God never gets irritated. Never. God is not like, there you are again, Jeff, asking to bless the service on Sunday. 
You just asked me for that last week. You just asked me for that Wednesday. You're constantly at, there's not a week go by that you don't, yeah, I'm going to do it again next week. Again and again and again. If I had to boil down today's message in a sentence as an application, I think it would be this. Ready? Simple. I think God is saying to grace for you through his son, Jesus, here it is. Grace for you, you aren't asking me for enough. That's the message. Ask, it'll be given. If you as parents know how to give good things, how much more will the Heavenly Father want to give good things and do it? Grace for you, you're just not asking God for enough. Jeff, but Lord, we're asking, watch, but we're asking for, yeah, you're asking for that. You're not asking for enough. Move to that. You're not asking me for enough. You're not asking for enough. You're not asking for enough. Ask. But what if, you're not asking for, we're talking to him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Ask. You say, Jeff, don't you think, though, there are some Christians who have, like, really stunted, really stunted prayer lives because all they do is ask and treat God like Santa Claus? They don't ever worship, and they don't ever actually go back and say thank you. It's just always give me, give me, give me. Listen, absolutely, there are some Christians who have stunted prayer lives, and that's a message for another day. But I think the message for today is none of us are asking the way we should. We're all coming up short in the asking department. What's your need? What is your need? If you could have a little time with the Almighty... And the Almighty, the Almighty were to say, what would you have me do for you? Think. I want you to put an answer to that. If the Almighty were to tell you, come here, what do you want me to do? Put it in words. What would it be? This morning, there's someone listening to me. And I'm about to describe you. This is you. You'll know it when I finish. You know you are a sinner. I say that right now, and everybody in here should be saying, but here's this person. This is you. I'm a sinner. Oh, I know I'm a sinner. It seems like lately God is really making me more and more aware of that. You know you're a sinner. But here's another thing. You know in your head that God has to punish your sin. You know you're a sinner, and it really bothers you more now than it ever has in your life. And you know that God has to punish your sin. But the third thing, you know in your head that God sent his son, you know this, specifically sent his son specifically to die on a cross to pay the penalty for your sin. You know you're a sinner. You know he has to punish your sin. You know Jesus came and died on the cross specifically for your sin. And you know in your head, you don't know all the details. You don't know all the details about everything. But you know this, God's word. So therefore, God has said, anyone who asks him to save them as they confess their sin and put their faith in Jesus, catch it, you don't know all the details. You know this, God has promised that those that confess their sin And trust in Jesus, God says he'll forgive you and he'll give you a relationship with him and you'll become a Christian. You get eternal. 
You know your sinner. You know he must punish. You know Jesus has taken that punishment on him. And you know God gives salvation away for free if you would ask. Now, here's the craziest thing. You go four for four knowing these things. But to date, as of 1157 today, here's a fact. You're sitting here today. You've never asked God to save you. You've never asked. You know you're a sinner. You know he has to punish. You know Jesus died for your sins. You know God will give you salvation if you ask. But you know in your heart there's never been a moment in time that you've actually experienced, God, I am a sinner. But I am really sorry. I don't understand everything. But you said Jesus died for me, and I, I believe it. And you said, if I ask you to save me, you'll do it. So I'm asking you to, you cannot remember that ever happening because there's never been a time that you ask. Here's what I'm asking. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Are you like, I'm afraid he'd say no. You're calling God a liar if you think he says no. He is bound by his word. He says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, will be saved. He says, if you'll put your faith and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. You know that his word says, all that come to him, that he will receive you. He never turns anyone away. If you'll believe, but you have to ask. Please don't miss heaven for just not asking. You got it all right here. You're just like, I don't know why. I've never thought of it that way. I just kind of think I'm going to a good place. You're not if you've never asked him to save you. What would keep you from doing that today? Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Would you bow your head just for a moment? We could bow our heads, close our eyes. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I think some musicians will be making their way perhaps, but not looking around. Can I just ask a question real quick? No one looking around. In full honesty, and raising your hand does not change it, but in full honesty, I'm just curious, is there anyone here today, you say, Jeff, you just described me. I cannot remember a day in my life where I've actually asked God to save me. Who would be honest enough and just kind of quick, put your hand up and say, that is me. Pastor Jeff, that is me. I'm going to ask you if you would pray for me. Anybody here like that, would you raise your hand real quickly and keep it up for a moment? You say, I in my heart, I know there's never been a day I've actually asked God to save me. Anybody, would you raise your hand? Anywhere in the house. Christians, I have a few questions. We began with this. What is your great need? I think of certain areas in my life that I have needs, and it's these. Physical. Sometimes it's emotional. Sometimes it's financial. Sometimes it's relational. And a lot of times it's spiritual. What's your need? I want to ask you, how specific can you be? How specific can you be? Put it in a specific. If you were to say, God, I'm getting ready to ask you for this right here, right here in this prayer time. I just wonder, before you do that, anyone here would say, 
Jeff, by raised hand, I'll tell you mine is I need some wisdom about a situation. I need some wisdom from God. Would you raise your hand very quickly? That's why several. Wow. Ten or twelve right there. I'm wondering. No one looking around. No one looking. No one on the stage. I'm not going to look at this. But I want you to literally, no one looking around, just you and God, but maybe a raised hand. Anybody here between you and the Lord say, what I'm getting ready to ask the Lord, I need some victory over certain sin. There's a certain sin and I need some victory over that. Would you just raise your hand between you and the Lord? Again, I have no idea what response was on that. There's a certain sin I need some real help with. I am going to look for this. Is there a Christian in the house would say, Jeff, I'll tell you what my need is. I need God's power to help me do something. It's, this is something that's over my head. <laughs> I think God wants me to do something. It is way over my head. I need, I'm, I need to ask him for some help doing that. Who is that? Would you raise your hand? There was some I knew would raise their hand on that. Pray for it. Hear the words of Jesus. Ask. Don't carry it all by yourself. Is there anyone? One more I'm going to ask. Anyone here today? You say, there is a spiritual discipline. It may be Bible reading, it may be prayer, it could be fasting, it could be studying the Bible, it could be sharing your faith, it could be church attendance, different things. It could be getting baptized. There is a spiritual activity, a spiritual discipline that I need in my life, and I'm going to ask the Lord to help me put that in my life. Anybody like that, would you raise your hand? Several again. Thank you. My last question is, what was your last answer to prayer? Last answer to prayer. If you're struggling to think of one, I want to invite you. Let God change that before this week is over. Before this week, how would that happen? Be specific. Have faith. Come through Christ. And then ask. Father, you've seen these hands. Lord, I pray. As your spirit reveals needs in our life. And then as we live life, we recognize needs. And so God, teach us just to ask. Lord, are you telling us that those who ask the most receive the most? Or let us not be satisfied with cheap knockoffs and just material things. Lord, let us pray. Let Graceview be a praying people that has great joy because we have many answers to prayer. Father, I'm thinking of my brother going to the Bahamas, heading that way tonight, and we'll go tomorrow to teach your word to pastors. Some others know about that. And so, Lord, we lift up Brother Larry where we lift him up. We saw the Connards. Lord, they're asking for direction. They're asking for help in language. Lord, Larry needs help teaching your word. These pastors can have great effect on these islands among poor people. God, I pray that you would give them wisdom. God, would you illuminate the scriptures and illuminate their minds, free his tongue. Lord, would you just give the Connards an ability to learn language and their kids and Lord to be peaceful in Africa as third culture people and then Lord I pray for this group as we pray God that we'll see answers to prayer and have great joy in our Christian life would you stand